Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Good to see my Power Hour crew nice and early in the chat today. I see you guys and girls. I appreciate you. We're streaming live on the Jacob Sports Network. We're also streaming live on all my social media channels as well. We're live on TikTok. What's up to the TikTok crew checking in? But you know I appreciate my Power Hour crew spending this hour with me every day. One of the best hours of my day. I hope it's one of the best hours of yours as well. But a lot to talk about today. We'll talk a little bit 76ers, unfortunately. Losing another one last night. We'll talk a little bit about that. We got the trade deadline coming up. What they should do. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Brazil. San Paulo, Brazil. I think I'm saying that right. We'll talk about that. Some more coaching changes or coaching hires, I should say. And then I want to talk about Jason Kelsey. Because Travis Kelsey was asked last night, hey, he may still have some football left. I want to talk about Kelsey as well. And then like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little today in sports history. Unfortunately, today in sports history was not a very happy day in Philadelphia sports, and you guys may know what I'm talking about. But let's get a little roll call from the Power Hour crew strolling in. I see Teresa Pascarello in the house, William Stark, Philly 007, Billy C. It's funny, that's what I was always called, high school football My coach started calling me Billy C. And then I go to college and I play college football. College coach didn't know. He starts calling me Billy C. And then Jacob Sports, they call me Billy C. I think it's just a lot easier, obviously, than Kalawulo. But I see Invincible in the house. Chuck Hutton, my man, flexing and stepping as always. Autumn Falls. I'm not sure if we've seen Autumn Falls in the house before, but Glad you're checking in in the chat. Xavier Spencer, my man. Stan Bruce wants me to drop that Brazilian knowledge. (laughs) Wine Niners Wine. I love my man Wine Niners Wine, but me and him do not see eye to eye on Nick Sirianni at all. William Stark. Rob from Temple. My baby girl, Bridget Tobin. That's my fiance. That's why I can say that. Who else we got? Mark Hickman. And we have more people checking in on TikTok as well. But let's jump in. We're going to do a lot of Eagles talk later in the show. I want to get into the international game in Brazil, who the opponents could be. I want to talk about some of those coaching hires. I want to dive into Jason Kelsey and his retirement because I have. A lot of opinions on that that may make some people unhappy in Philadelphia. But let's start with the 76ers, and we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl media day. But let's start with the 76ers. They lose another one last night to the Dallas Mavericks, 118-102. If you would have told me Luka was only going to drop 19 points, I would have thought they had a real shot at winning that game. But Kyrie has a decent game, and the Sixers just look all out of sorts. And I pray that what you're seeing from the 76ers isn't a team that's giving up because their star center needs surgery. 
Because the last couple of games, they look like a team that's throwing in the towel a little bit. Now, if you listen to Nick Nurse, some of them are under the weather. Obviously, no Embiid last night, but they also were out. Nico Batum's still out. DeAnthony Melton is still out. Rocco, Robert Covington is still out. Apparently, big ball Paul Reed under the weather still. So maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt, but they look like they have thrown in the towel. And they now fall to 4-11. and 4-11 and without Joel. And now they're fifth in the Eastern Conference, 30-19, and 33 games left. Trade deadline is coming up on Thursday. What should Daryl Morey do? And we spoke a little bit about it yesterday on the show, about what Daryl Morey should do. I'm, I'm kind of hating saying this, but I said it yesterday. I kind of think they should just not do anything. Even with a healthy Joel Embiid, which is a big if, I'm not sure that they can get out of the East. And if you can't get out of the East, what's the point in rushing Joel back? Making a move for a piece that's not going to put you over the top. I, I hate to say kind of throw in the towel on the season, but I'm getting pretty close to saying throw the towel in on the season. Because I just don't think they're good enough to beat any of the top teams in a seven-game series in the playoffs. And I know there's some people who have the mentality, well, I just want them to be competitive. That's not my position. I don't care about them being competitive. I want them to get to an NBA Finals. So I don't want to see them do anything just to be competitive the rest of the season, get into the playoffs, maybe win a series, and set us back next year. If you can't get out of the East, don't do anything. Sit tight. Keep your flexibility. Keep your assets. Get Joel Embiid back to 100%. And let's go all in this summer to try to make it next year. Because I don't care about being competitive. We want a championship. We've had enough in this town with the 76ers. No championships since 1983. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Ben Simmons, huge mistake. Mark Fultz, are you kidding me? Trading up to get Mark Fultz and passing over on Jason Tatum? And I was thinking about this morning when they got Andrew Bynum. You remember that? I think there was like a press conference or something at Temple, and all the Sixers fans were chanting, Andrew Bynum. How many games did he play in a Sixers uniform? Did he ever play? I don't even remember. Just one mistake after another. Okafor, another one. I'm just so sick and tired of this Sixers team not being able to even compete for a championship. It's really getting frustrating. We are starving for a championship basketball team. We've had them at the college level. If you consider Villanova, a Philly school. I know some people don't. But I, I just don't know what to do. And you look at next year, we talk about flexibility. Pretty much the entire team is a free agent. You have Joel coming back. Maxie's even a free agent. Now, he's a restricted free agent, so he'll be back. But you're finally going to get out from under the Tobias Harris contract. But who could you get this summer? Clay Thompson, he's 34. Pascal Siakam's probably going to sign a big deal in Indiana, you would think. So I don't know what they do this offseason, but I just don't want to see them do something at the trade deadline just to stay competitive. If you don't truly believe that you can get a healthy Joel back and you can put the pieces in place to get out of the Eastern Conference. And I just don't see it happening.
If they bring in DeMar DeRozan, does that get them over the top? Even if Joel comes back 100%, the same guy he was all season, do we think Joel, Maxie, and DeMar DeRozan are enough pieces to get past Boston or Cleveland or Milwaukee or New York or Indiana or even Miami? I just don't think so. Man, and Stan Bruce, I'm talking about all the mistakes that the Sixers made, and Stan Bruce brings up Sean Bradley. 7-6, Sean Bradley. It's been so many mistakes. But we'll see what they do. Frustrating. It really is. Well, the Flyers are back in action tonight after the All-Star break. All types of drama now surrounding them. Oh, Timothy Walker, did you make your girl watch Rocky yesterday? We talked about it last night. I don't know if she's still here in the chat, Bridget, but we talked about it last night because her mom was watching the show, and her mom called her and said, Bill's going to make you watch all the Rockies. I've already made her watch Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. That's already been forced upon her. But we haven't gotten into Rocky 3 and 4 and 5 and Rocky Balboa. But we'll get there. I get married in June. So I think before June, the agreement's going to have to be that Bridget watches every single Rocky. Do I include the creeds in there is the only question. Does she also have to watch all three creeds? So we'll see. And Wine Niners Wine talking about the Flyers saying that Farsi had a great interview with Broad Street Bully this morning. I'll have to check that out. Farsi always does a great job. But Flyers are back in action tonight. I'm not going to comment about the whole Carter Hart situation. Everybody knows what's going on. Everyone knows he was charged in the sexual assault. Let's let it play out. I have no comments on it. We don't know what happened. The press conference that was given by London, Ontario police really didn't give us any information. We know he was charged. We know why he was charged. Let's let it play out. I'm not going to talk about it. But the Fly Guys are back in action tonight. They were losers of five straight before the All-Star break. So hopefully they can get back in the winning column. Now we have the NBA trade that trade deadline coming up on Thursday. The NHL trade deadline's not until March. But I don't expect the Flyers to be buyers at the deadline. If anything, they're going to be sellers. You've heard Danny Briere. They're going to stick with the plan, as they should. Just like I was just talking about with the, with the Sixers. If you can't do anything that's going to make you get out of the East and give us a chance to win an NBA championship, then don't do anything. And for the Flyers, I like that they're going to stick with the plan. I like that the Philadelphia Flyers are not going to do something that only helps them this season. They're constantly now with their eye on the future. That's what they need. For too long, Philadelphia Flyers organization has always just gone for it, gone for it. It was exciting, but it never got them there. Just like we are starved for an NBA championship, we're even more starved for a Stanley Cup. I've never seen either one in my life. You know, and it reminds me as we're doing that, I was going to talk about this a little bit later on in the week with the Super Bowl coming up. But if you could be a professional athlete, any sport, doesn't even have to be the four major sports, what sport would you want to win a championship in? What championship would you want to win as a professional athlete? Not as a fan, but as a professional athlete, which sport would you want to win the championship? Which championship would you want to win? Now, for me, growing up, I was obsessed with ice hockey. It was a no-brainer. I wanted to win a Stanley Cup. The most iconic trophy in sports. I wanted my name on the Stanley Cup. But then as I got to college and I played football at college, now it was, oh, I want to win a Super Bowl. Never was going to happen. But then I always thought I wanted to win a Super Bowl. But now that I got the golf bug, for me, it's a no-brainer. It wouldn't be the Stanley Cup. It wouldn't even be the Super Bowl. It'd be the Masters. 
I would want to win the Masters. That's how I know I'm getting old. Because now I'd much rather have a green jacket than my name on the Stanley Cup. And my man Shooter McGavin, Shooter, also says the Masters, of course. And Andy R. on TikTok says the U.S. Open in tennis. That's what Bridget would want. My fiance says, without a doubt, it would be the U.S. Open in tennis because she's a tennis player. But it's an interesting question. Interesting question. So I see people in the chat. Some people are saying the Masters. Some people are saying the NBA championship. Autumn Falls says the UFC women's champ. Love it. But, yeah, I think from a team sport, if we're going to separate them individual versus team sport, from a team sport, I think it would probably be the Super Bowl still just because it's such a big, iconic game. But I always had this dream as a kid, man, of skating around with the Stanley Cup, the fact that they all get to skate with it over their heads and then spend a week with the cup in the summertime. Pretty damn cool. But individual sport, it's a no-brainer. I'd win the Masters. Absolutely win the Masters. But let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk a little bit about Roger Goodell's opening night, state of the NFL. Nothing great in there. Nothing great. One of the things was, obviously, about the integrity of the league with sports gambling now being legal and such a big part of the NFL. So this was from Goodell last night. The integrity of our game is critical. And we spend a lot of time focusing on that, educating, making sure that all of our personnel are aware of our gambling policies, in this case or any other policy that can affect the integrity of our game. Blah, blah, blah. And then he talked about some of the players who had been suspended. But I did think one of the interesting things was he was asked about the kickoff. Because a lot of us assume, at least I did, in watching these games, that where the league is headed is they're going to get rid of the kickoff. That eventually that's what they're going to do, is the kickoff's going to be out of the game. So interestingly... Roger Goodell said last night, we need to work with our coaches and our competition committee and those across the league to find a way to keep the kickoff in the game. It's an exciting play. It's important for us, the same as punts. And then he goes on to talk about the injuries and how they're trying to do things to just limit the injury. So I thought that was interesting because I really thought the way the NFL was headed that this was going to be a forgotten thing. That you weren't going to see kickoffs anymore. But it is an exciting part of the game. Now, they can try some of the things like the XFL did. If you guys have seen the XFL, there's no running starts. They have the players within like five yards of each other. You know, they can do some things to try to limit the injuries. I hate it, though. I'm curious from you guys in the chat. I absolutely hated that you could have a fair catch and then immediately get the ball at the 25 on a kickoff. I thought that was ridiculous. But I'm excited to hear Goodell say they're going to do things to keep it in the game because it is an exciting play. And it can be a game changer. Who remembers the Super Bowl? I'm forgetting which one where the game started with Devin Hester taking it to the house. If you had bet that Devin Hester was going to have the first touchdown in that game, I don't even know what the odds were, but I guarantee you they were through the roof. But I see more people in the chat talking about my question about which championship you'd want to win as a professional athlete. A lot of people saying they can't stand golf. Let me tell you this. I was not a golfer. I played football, I played ice hockey, I played physical, strong contact sports. I always looked at golf like, oh, man, let me tell you, once you get into golf, 
it is one of the best sports out there, if not the best sport. There is so much to the golf game, not only from a physical perspective and an athletic perspective, but the mind and how you have to approach it and the risk-reward with your shots and how you approach each hole. And every round is different. I'm telling you, once you get into golf and once you get that bug, it's incredible sport. It really is an incredible sport. And now, look, I got Bridget. Bridget's trolling me here, saying I'm so good at golf because she knows I have had my struggles. <laughs> I have had my struggles, to put it mildly. I want to get good so damn badly. Man, I got Bridget trolling me in the chat. You know what? For that, we are going to do a Rocky Marathon tonight. Trolling me in the chat. But so interesting things from Goodell. They're going to try to keep the kickoff. And then the other big thing, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles will open up their season on Friday night, September 6th, at San Paulo, Brazil, Arena Corinthians. Good and bad with this. Good and bad. I mean, look, anytime our Philadelphia Eagles can be in the spotlight, it's a good day for the Eagles organization. First time ever that there's going to be a game in South America, and our Philadelphia Eagles will be a part of it. That's great. Wonderful. The thing that frustrates me, well, there's a couple of things that frustrates me. They lose a home game. So we know now with the 17-game season, one year you have nine home games, one year you have eight home games. Well, last year, the Eagles had eight. They were supposed to get their ninth home game this year, supposed to have a season with nine. Well, Brazil, even though they're going to be the home team, it's not a home game. So they lose a home game. And now this is a season that we just had where the Eagles only had two one o'clock games. I believe they were on Monday Night Football five times. So you now follow that up, having five Monday Night Football games, only two one o'clock games, only eight home games, and now they have to start their season in Brazil on a Friday night. Look, I love that they're going to be in the spotlight. I love that the first game in South America will include our Philadelphia Eagles. It's great for the organization. It's great for the game of football and the NFL to expand it. I just don't like that we lose the home game, and it's another game where it's not a normal Sunday. The positive being it's the first game of the season. So thankfully, they don't have to have a Sunday game then figure out the plan and the logistics and the travel and then get out there. So it's good. It's the first game of the year. It's a Friday night. Gives them plenty of time to get back, get ready for the next week. But I want some 1 o'clock games. And I see people in the chat talking about how they want 1 o'clock games. Well, you know, I host the Jacob Sports game day shows with Farzee and Missinelli and Seth Joyner, John McMullen, Kayla Santiago. Trust me. We want one o'clock games because when you're down in Atlantic City at the Ocean Casino, which is beautiful, and the games are at night and they end around 1130, 12 o'clock, and you're doing a two-hour post-game show till two in the morning in Ocean City, or excuse me, Atlantic City, and then I got to get back here because I got you guys at 10 o'clock. I'm not missing my power hour the day after a game. So I want one o'clock games too. But a lot of people are asking, well, who's their opponent going to be? Who's the opponent going to be for this Brazil game? Well, we know the Eagles have nine road opponents. We don't know what the schedule is yet. We don't know who they're playing when. But we know that there's nine road opponents. So it has to be one of these nine, and we'd be able to eliminate two of them. So, obviously, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders are road opponents. The Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons, the Green Bay Packers, 
the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. Those are all the road opponents for the Eagles in 2024. Now, we can eliminate some of these. Carolina already has a game in Germany scheduled for 2024. So it's not going to be the Panthers. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they have their games in London. So it's not going to be the Jags. So it's going to be one of these seven opponents, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders, Browns, Steelers, Falcons, or Packers. Now, I'd be surprised if the NFL makes it a division game. I don't think you're going to see the NFL make this a division game. So if that is the case, now we're talking Browns, Steelers, Falcons, Packers. I'll tell you what. That Packers game, not going to be an easy game this year. I kind of hope it's not the Packers. Because the Packers are going to have a good team. They were young this year. They overperformed this season. If we're going to get the Packers, and we're supposed to be the home team, I'd rather the Packers have to come into the link. I don't want it to be at a neutral site in Brazil even though the Eagles are technically the home team. I don't want to play the Packers at a neutral site because that's not going to be an easy game. So I'm praying it's the Falcons. That would be nice. And, and Bald Eagle in the chat says, it'll be Atlanta. They need a bigger fan base. You may be right. Because if you, if you look at all these opponents for the Eagles next year, Eagles and Browns would be a big game. Eagles and Steelers, Battle of Pennsylvania, always a big game. But Atlanta, this could be a way for them to spark some excitement around that game. Atlanta has a new coach. So we'll see. That would be a good one. I'd love to see the Eagles open up the season against the Atlanta Falcons. Not only because it's in Brazil, because we know after the year the Eagles just had, they need to get out to a hot start. You, you all know my position on Nick Sirianni. I'm happy he's coming back. But I'll tell you what. They open up the season with a couple of losses. Whew, the noise is going to be loud in this city calling for Sirianni's job. So I'd like to see them have a little bit of easy start. Let's give us Atlanta. I, I think they could beat Atlanta. So. When we get back, I want to talk more about the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into some of the coaching hires that they made. Something to be positive about, these coaching hires. Bald Eagle, once again, NFL isn't worried about viewers. Everyone will watch. You're not kidding about that. Everybody will watch. We complain sometimes. Oh, Thursday games. Now there's a Friday game. Oh, a Sunday game. Saturday game. Monday game. And we keep consuming it, man. We all cannot get enough of the NFL. And it really doesn't even matter. These Amazon Prime games this year weren't the greatest of games, some of the opponents. I was tuned in every damn night. I will watch every NFL game. It doesn't matter who's on, I'm watching. NFL is a monster when it comes to ratings. But when we get back, talk about some more Eagles coaching staff hires, and I want to talk about some of these veterans, specifically Jason Kelsey. Now that there's some chatter, he may be returning, and I'm going to give you my opinion on that. If you follow me, you already know my opinion. And if you don't follow me, make sure you are. Make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube. Make sure you're following me on TikTok if you're watching right now on TikTok. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter. would love to engage with all of you. So hit that like button, hit that share button. We're going to be right back. We'll do some more Eagles talk. Stay tuned. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Get ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy and use the word WIN. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. Good to see a lot of the Power Hour crew here today. Now, you never know when the offseason hits. Some people start to check out. They don't pay attention as much anymore. But we were talking about how the NFL is a ratings monster before the break. The other beautiful thing about the NFL is it really doesn't have an offseason anymore. It's 365 days, man. Because now we have the Super Bowl on Sunday. And then it's a month until free agency hits. Then you have the draft. There's going to be a little bit of a lull in the summertime. There's always that little lull around May, June. Then you have, I think, some mini camp in July and then obviously training camp in August. But we're getting close to pitchers and catchers for our fight and fills. So we'll start doing some Phillies talk on the Power Hour. Not too much just yet, but we'll get into that. But I see Rob from Temple talking about the draft. The draft is always fun, and I'm really looking forward to when we start preparing for the NFL draft. That's another event that the NFL has turned into a ratings monster is the draft. I mean, they even now broadcast the Combine in Indianapolis and people watch guys running 40-yard dashes. It's amazing how obsessed we all are with the NFL. And I see my man Matt Lagoy checking in in the chat with a little Billy C. What's up, Matt? But before the break, talking about this Brazil game, who potentially could be the opponent. And I think, and I'm forgetting who it was who said it, that Atlanta is a good bet. The Falcons are a good bet, potentially being who the opponent could be. And that's an opponent I'd like to see. Because I don't want to see them have to play the Packers. It was uh, Bald Eagle. Bald Eagle said it. I don't want to see them have to play the Packers on a neutral site. The advantage we get is having a home game against the Packers. I want to keep that as a home game. And I also don't see them doing a division opponent for that reason either. It wouldn't really be fair, not that the NFL gives a crap about being fair anymore, but I don't really think it'd be fair for you to play a division opponent in their building when you have to play them at home, but then they get to play you 
in Brazil. So I don't think it's going to be Dallas, New York, or Washington. It can't be the Jaguars or the Panthers. So now you're just left with the Browns, Steelers, Falcons, or Packers. So we'll find out what happens with that. But let's jump into this coaching staff. Now, a lot of my Power Hour crew knows I was happy with them bringing back Nick Sirianni. And some of you have now started calling me Billy Spadaro because I've been very positive about the coaching staff. And I can take it. But the reality is I am feeling pretty good about this coaching staff. And I talked about it last week on the show that one of the benefits to bringing in a defensive coordinator like Vic Fangio, who's been in this league for 30 damn years. You have a coaching tree now that Vic Fangio can pull from, and he has the respect in this league to be able to get people like that, to be able to get really good coaches. So now reports are, in addition to them bringing in D-line coach Clint Hurt, who was a defensive coordinator in Seattle. They're also bringing in Joe Casper to specifically be a safeties coach. They got him from the Miami Dolphins. Eagles didn't have a specific safety coach last year. I like that. But now a big move is Broncos D-backs coach, Christian Parker is leaving Denver, reportedly, to join the Philadelphia Eagles and Vic Fangio to be our D-backs coach. This is a guy who's only 32 years old, interviewed with the Green Bay Packers to be a defensive coordinator. All the chatter around the league is this is an up-and-coming, young defensive mind. Now, where my mind immediately goes is D-backs coach in Denver, there's a couple of D-backs on that Denver Broncos team that would look real good in Midnight Green. Even better in Kelly Green. Patrick Sertain the second, and safety, Justin Simmons. Wouldn't they look good? Wouldn't they look good in Midnight Green? Now, the good thing is, Patrick Sertain is in the final year of his rookie deal. Now, he was a first-round draft pick, so he does have an opportunity for them to exercise that fifth-year option, which I'm sure they would. But if you remember, last year at the trade deadline, there was some chatter that the Eagles were going to be interested in making a trade for Patrick Sertain the second. That would be absolutely incredible. Does this mean maybe, maybe by getting Christian Parker that the Eagles can make a move for a Patrick Sertain or a Justin Simmons? Oh, man, we can dream. We can certainly dream. And I'm seeing somebody saying in the chat that Casey Matthews was just hired as the linebacker coach. I'm not sure if that was a joke or not. I'm not seeing that anywhere yet. But I like this move. And this is the benefit of bringing in guys. Oh, he's kidding. Because now he's saying they brought in Todd Pinkston to be the strength and conditioning coach. Richie MC with all the jokes today. Richie MC with all the jokes. But. This is the benefit of a guy like Vic Fangio. Because look at the defensive coaching staff you have now. Last year, Sean Desai, one year of defensive coordinator experience, didn't really build a great staff. And if you listen to Dan Cilio yesterday, Big Sills, he talked about speaking to some coaches who were on their way out in Philadelphia about Sean Desai. 
and his relationship with players and how bad things got that players like Hassan Reddick weren't even talking to Sean Desai last year. Not very good. And now you bring in a guy like Vic Fangio, who you've heard now players talk about. Dante Whitner talked about him. Justin Simmons in Denver talked about him with a lot of high regard. And one of the things that I love most is that you consistently hear how good of a teacher Vic Fangio is. That's what this team needs. And the other thing you hear about Vic Fangio is that he's not afraid to hold players accountable. Another thing this team needs, especially when you saw them just missing tackles, looked like they had completely checked out last year. So I'm very excited about the defensive coaching staff. And I see people in the chat asking me about, do you really believe in Kellen Moore? Yeah. I'm excited about Kellen Moore on offense, too. And we talk about the position coaches coming in on the defensive side of the ball. Well, now they bring in Doug Nussmeyer to coach up Jalen Hurts as the quarterback's coach. I am really liking the way this staff is coming together. You still have Stoutland University in the offensive line room. And we're going to talk about that offensive line in a second. Because I think the Eagles have to make a tough decision there. But you still have Jeff Stoutland. Now you have Kellen Moore, Doug Nussmeyer. And then you look at the defensive side of the football and all these coaches they're bringing in. I was hoping they were going to get Joe Barry to coach the linebackers, but he goes to Miami now. But you look at Kellen Moore, and I spent a lot of time last week on the show talking about it, James, but I'll talk a little bit more about it now. If There's a lot of things that Kellen Moore does well that this team didn't do well last year that has me excited. You all have probably heard about you know the pre-snap motion. The Eagles were... 32 out of 32 teams last year with pre-snap motion. Kellen Moore was eighth. That's great. But what I really like is what Kellen Moore was able to do with yards after catch. Because something that this Philadelphia Eagles team really struggled with last year was yak. Yak. We love yak. But you look at the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles with pretty much the same personnel on the offensive side of the football, we're near the top of the league in yards after catch. And then in 2023, they dropped to near the bottom of the league in yards after catch. How's that possible? How is that possible when you still have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and, hell, You replace Miles Sanders with DeAndre Swift. Now, you could debate who's better as a runner, but DeAndre Swift is certainly better as a receiver. So when we look at the yards after catch, how in the hell did they have a better yards after catch average near the top of the league in 2022 and drop all the way to the bottom of the league in 2023? They were ranked, I think, 25th, something around there. To me, that's play design. And I see Steve trying to blame Jalen Hurts. Look, we're not absolving Jalen Hurts. But when we talk about yards after catch, to me, that is play design. To me, that's route concepts. Being able to create ways to get the ball in your playmaker's hands in space. Kyle Shanahan does it really well with the 49ers. Andy Reid does it really well with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we can blame Jalen Hurts for a lot of things, but to me, when we talk about that yards after catch, that was the play designs and the play calling and the route concepts that were being created by Brian Johnson. Not absolving Nick Sirianni because he was involved in that offense as well. But I really like that what you're seeing so far this offseason 
is that they are going to give Kellen Moore the autonomy to make this offense his. And if we didn't think that already, the fact that he brought in his quarterback coach, Doug Nussmeyer, that was with him in L.A. and was with him in Dallas, is more evidence of the fact that this is going to be Kellen Moore's offense. So I am really excited about where this coaching staff is headed. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Nick Sirianni, yes, he needs to be better. And I know it wasn't great last year, but I will say, and you can disagree with me if you want, but from what we've seen of Nick Sirianni in three seasons as a head coach, he's actually pretty good on game day. I think he actually does a pretty good job with clock management, with being appropriately aggressive in games. Think about Andy Reid for a second. When he was here in Philadelphia, as great of a coach as Andy Reid was, and as great as he's become, one of the main things we got frustrated with, with Andy Reid, in addition to not running the football, was his clock management. His in-game decisions sometimes weren't great. I've been okay with Sirianni's in-game decisions over the last three seasons. And now you take him and make him a true CEO coach, which he's pretty much been anyway for two and a half seasons. After he gave up play calling seven games into his rookie year as a coach, he's pretty much been a CEO. And I've been okay with the in-game decisions. I've been okay when Sirianni has chosen to go for it on fourth down. It's been usually appropriately aggressive, not reckless, like you saw from Dan Campbell in the NFC Championship game. And then I've talked about this before on the show. If we're going to criticize Sirianni, I think you have to give him credit when he deserves it. And let's look back. NFC Championship game last year. Devontae Smith, questionable catch on the sidelines. Replays have showed us it wasn't a catch. Devontae Smith jumps up, starts signaling this to his offensive teammates. They get on the ball. They snap it before Kyle Shanahan can throw the challenge flag. You don't want to give Sirianni credit for that? They did it again this year in a game against the Washington Commanders on a questionable catch where they got to the line and snapped it before Ron Rivera could throw the challenge flag. And it's because they practiced that. I understand we all want to just blame Sirianni for everything and call the guy a cheerleader. He has done some good things here in three years. We can't knee-jerk because of what happened the last seven games of the season. I'm completely good with Sirianni coming back. And I actually feel really good about the direction of this organization with the coaching staff that they've put in place. But, and there's a big but here, there are a ton of personnel questions now. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday with all of the free agents on both sides of the ball, some of whom I'm happy they're free agents when we're talking about guys on that defensive side of the football. But there's a lot of question marks, and that's why I said last night on my Legal Hands to the Face show, you can still check that out on my YouTube channel, it's up. But I asked the question, who needs a better 2024, Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman? And we'll talk more about that this week on the show, but it's clearly Howie Roseman. Because I think Sirianni, as a CEO coach, doesn't need to have as good of a season as we need from Howie Roseman right now. Sirianni has his OC with Kellen Moore. He's got his defensive coordinator with Vic Fangio. But they need players. And they especially need players on the defensive side of the ball. Because if Vic Fangio is going to have success as the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, 
They 100% need better linebackers. They absolutely need a playmaking safety. And we talked earlier about the draft, and I'm good talking about the draft, and I want to see them draft a linebacker. I do. But you can't go into this season with a rookie linebacker and N'Kobe Dean. Two big question marks. I don't care how good the linebacker was in college. There's no guarantee that that play will translate at the NFL level. Even if they drafted a linebacker in the first round, which I doubt they would do, there's no guarantee that that linebacker will step in week one in Brazil and make an impact. So that's why I need to see Howie Roseman do something that he doesn't like to do, and that's go out in free agency and pay a linebacker to come in here and contribute week one, game one in Sao Paulo, Brazil. N'Kobe Dean's going to have his shot. But we cannot go into this season with question marks. And don't sell me on Zach Cunningham and N'Kobe Dean. We need a playmaker. And I see William Stark in the chat talking about Patrick Queen. I'd like Patrick Queen. I don't know how much money he's going to get in free agency this year. But that'd be a big move, a guy like him. And we'll talk more about the free agents in a second, or not in a second, but over the next couple of weeks about who we like. But there's a big decision that Howie Roseman needs to make, and now I want to talk about Jason Kelsey. Because if we're going to rebuild this defense, and we're going to spend money at linebacker, and we're going to spend money at safety, and they have to figure out what they're doing with Hassan Reddick and his contract, we talked about that yesterday, and that cap hit. And they want to add some depth on the edge and maybe bring in a corner. I'm okay with Jason Kelsey retiring. There are too many other pieces on this team to pay a center as much money as you would have to pay Jason Kelsey. I love Jason Kelsey. He's an absolute legend in this town. He should remain a legend in this town forever. He should never have to buy a drink anywhere near Philadelphia. And this isn't a shot at Jason Kelsey. But we need to put the emotion aside. We can't just continue to pay players because we love them. This team and the roster, as it's constructed right now, they don't have the luxury of paying a center $10 million. He had a $10 million cap hit in 2023. With all of the other needs on this team, I'm completely okay with the drop-off at center play if you slide Cam Jurgens over. There will be a drop-off. Jason Kelsey is an all-pro. I get it. But this team doesn't have the luxury of paying a center that much money on a $10 million cap hit. There's too many other needs. And we need to put our emotions aside. Listen, Jason Kelsey last year, cap hit was $10 million. He was the highest paid center in the league. Cam Jurgens' cap hit in 2024 is 1.8. You would save over eight million dollars against the cap if Jason Kelsey retires. I'm okay with him retiring. First of all, he's earned it. He's earned to be able to go and spend time with his family. But I just don't think, even if he wanted to come back, I don't think the Eagles have that luxury. There's way too many needs on the defensive side of the football. There's way too many other positions where they need to pay players you don't have the luxury as an organization to have the highest paid center in the league anymore. You just don't. If it wasn't Jason Kelsey, would the Eagles go out there and sign the highest paid center in the league as a free agent? Would we be okay with that? If in this offseason they said, you know what, instead of moving Cam Jurgens over to center, we're going to go out there and instead of paying a linebacker and paying a safety, and building up our defensive line 
and maybe bringing in a corner. We're going to go and we're going to sign a center and we're going to pay him the highest center contract in the league. You wouldn't do it. We would be outraged. So we need to look at this objectively and put our emotions and our love for Jason Kelsey aside and say, listen, when you look at this roster, it doesn't make sense to pay a center that much money. It just doesn't. We have to get younger. And it's hard to say it. It really is. It is hard for me to say it. I love Jason Kelsey. But I think we have to move on from him this season. I know, guys. I know. I just posted a video about this on my social media channel. So if you're following me, you could comment there, too, because there's a lot of people. I said it on The Fanatic on Sunday. I had a lot of people coming after me for it, but I think it's the reality. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little today in sports history, well, unfortunately, 19 years ago, February 6, 2005, Super Bowl 39. We celebrated Super Bowl 52 yesterday, and now we have to relive Super Bowl 39. Philadelphia Eagles lose 24-21 to the New England Patriots. And before we jump over to that, let me just see. Timothy Shabazz, will the running game will be ruined if Kelsey retires? I don't think Cam Jurgens and Tyler Steen can replicate and how we won't keep our running backs. See, I don't necessarily agree with that, Timothy. As good as Jason Kelsey is, I have faith in Stoutland University you're still going to have Landon Dickerson at left guard. You're still going to have Jordan Maialata at left tackle. You're still going to have Lane Johnson at right tackle. And the little bit that we saw of Cam Jurgens as a rookie at the center position, which is his natural position, I think you'll see a lot better Cam Jurgens at center than you saw at right guard. So the question for me is, well, who's your right guard? Hopefully Tyler Steen's ready. But I just don't think... They have that luxury to pay Kelsey again. Hey, maybe he gives us a huge discount, but we'll see. But today in sports history, February 6, 2005, Super Bowl 39, New England beat the Philadelphia Eagles 24-21. It's a heartbreak. MVP, Deion Branch. McNabb actually threw for over 350 yards that game and three touchdowns. The problem was he also threw three interceptions, two of them to Rodney Harrison. Never forget Rodney doing the – still hate Rodney for that. Tom Brady only threw for 236, but he had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, did have a fumble. T.O. on a broken ankle or whatever the hell he was dealing with, nine catches, 122 yards, one of the best performances I remember seeing, especially with an injured player. And there was only one sack of Tom Brady in that game. Came from number 58, not Trent Cole, Derek Burgess. I think he wore 58, or was he 56? Now I can't remember. I think he may have been 56, Derek Burgess. But that's our today in sports history, unfortunately, Super Bowl 39. But I appreciate the Power Hour crew. Hit that like button for me. Tomorrow we'll be joined by Kayla Santiago, like we are every Wednesday. She does a great job covering the 76ers, so I want to talk to her about What's Daryl Morey going to do with the trade deadline? We'll get her opinion. And we'll do a little bit more Philadelphia Eagles talk. We'll continue to look at this roster. But make sure you're following me. Would love to hear from you. Engage with me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Hit that like button for me. Thanks for spending this hour. This was the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm Bill Calarulo. And as always, go Birds. Go for the Pulse. And the pools. Go for the ooze. And the odds. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.